0: listening, no, you're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. <laughs> buns, Buns, Buns. I want to give you something real, but I don't know where to start. Darling, let's make a deal. I want to give you my heart. I would say anything for love. Hey, guys. Welcome to ISO The Buns Podcast First, my apologies for being so tardy with new episodes I had a whole bits episode planned But it had to get scrapped at the last minute And I've been scrambling ever since I promise you that I will get better at this But uh, for now, just bear with me And remember that I love you guys Speaking of you guys this week's episode is another edition of ask boris you ask he answers and i just sit there and chime in every once in a while so without further ado here is ask boris three too much shit in your apartment
1: get rid of it today on the buns app available in the app store google play store or online at
0: buns.com hey buns So, by now, maybe you've gotten the pattern, but if you haven't, this is our episode three bi-weekly edition of Ask Boris. Uh, I'm not going to mumble too long, so without further ado, here is Boris, the man himself. Howdy, folks. It's me, your man, Boris.
1: For this week, I thought we'd do something a little different. Um, I decided to... Pose my questions directly to one of my favorite uh, bun zones, one of my favorite spheres, uh, the anger inventing zone. Um, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I love to complain, love to whinge and moan. I have lots of grievances. Things in my body hurt. Um, nothing's fair. I don't make enough money. I, I'm sure these all are kind of familiar to you yourself, the listener. So. As much as I love this zone, I decided to put questions out to them. And in the spirit of this particular community, I have a distinct feeling this episode is mostly just going to be me um, just working out grievances I have that kind of dovetail with questions people ask. Because the wonderful thing is everybody's generally irritated about approximately the same things. So common ground, am I right? Anyways, um, this episode might be a little less uh, helpful to you personally. This won't help you, you know, fix your creaky doors or salvage your disastrous relationships or, you know, learn about the history of the spirograph or whatever the hell it happens to be. But, uh, eh, at least I hope you sympathize.
0: Maybe it'll help them exercise their demons.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? If I can help people do that, then that'll be just, just peachy. So why don't we get into it? Oh, first question. By Alicia Weber. How do human beings with any concept of empathy vote for fucking Doug Ford? (sighs) Okay. Where where do we start with this one? Um, Now, see, this this one's tricky. And I don't mean that in the being sympathetic to Doug Ford sense because, like, I mean, like, just... The the man is a colossal asshole. And, like, I mean, even if you... I don't care what your political affiliation is. Um, I mean, like, you know, I'm, like, pinko as shit, but... Like... <sighs> what's what's that quote co- i don't have it in front of me but just remember him saying something Is like oh i got nothing it was about some i think group home in his neighborhood and he said something something monstrous like oh i i got no problem with the home but like nobody told me that the people with autism would be going outside and just like this just a litany of shit going back i don't know how going back to when he was a teen um uh, like just just he's 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 like even if you agree with his 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 policies like as a person he's not someone who's particularly sympathetic but the thing is that doesn't matter if you're framing yourself as a populist and this is this is like this really gets to like why i get cranky about this because it's like people (sighs) when any populist of any stripe takes power attempts to take power it's because they're recognizing a degree of discontent dissatisfaction with people and in that sense like he's pretty smart to be harnessing that and to be tapping into that because i mean he's right things are shitty for a lot of people you know like cost living in this city has been just climbing exponentially you know like it's just, it's so fucking depressing just listening to all my friends. I mean, you know, I'm in the same boat too, but listening to people who are, you know, moving out of their apartments and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I'm terrified of leaving because I'll never be able to afford, you know, my own unit again. I've gone from being in a bath, bachelor for five years to back to roommates because of prices. And it's like, that's, that's a super legitimate grievance. And even if we're not talking about renting, just other costs of living have not kept up with pay And other, you know, expenses have also been climbing accordingly. People are getting stretched thinner and thinner in this city. That's legitimate. People hate that. People aren't happy about that. And they're looking for people who speak to them about that. And it's such a fucking shame that it has to come in the form of Doug Ford. And, like, I get why people go in for his shit. Because he's he's, he's relatable if you are a certain type of just working day stiff. I mean, I don't think even most of those people are relating to, you know, like the just, like, gross, gross inappropriate shit that he says and believes. But it's one of those things that they're willing to gloss over because they think he will, in a meaningful way, improve things for them. That's one thing that it always comes down to with people, is, like, just their material condition. So they think someone will actually make their life better in a tangible way that other people haven't. And... If they're even willing to speak to it in a way that like relates to people like they'll go for it and this is something that like we can work with we can harness and when i say we i mean like i mean i'm a leftist right and like i'm not i'm not i am kind of br- broadly talking about leftist but i just mean everybody who even just anybody who doesn't like doug ford Like, this is something we can work with, we can harness. We know that people who actually, I mean, politicians who actually talk to people about issues they care about and interact with them in an apparently human and relatable way and don't do the usual, like, fucking politician thing, people eat that shit up. They love it. They relate to that so strongly. And, like, we've seen it work over and over again. And I'm not just talking about in Canada because, like, This is depressing. I'll come back to it. But like there isn't really that many good examples of this in Canada. If you look elsewhere, you can see this working over and over again. And like I think a really, really good example of this is the 2016 federal election in the U.S. where you have the Democrats with Hillary Clinton and the Republicans with Trump. And there's a number of various popular, what would you call it? um, like justification stories about why the election went the way it did. But I think if you if you actually look at the numbers, people who voted, who they voted for, you find like there's just a really, really indisputable straight story. And it's that Trump didn't win. The Republicans didn't win. The Democrats lost. And they lost because of how they campaigned. Like the turnout for Trump was shitty. That I mean, the turnout in general was off. Was just not good. But like, less people showed up to vote for Trump than who sh- then showed up to vote for fucking Mitt Romney in the last in the last
0: big showdown federal election in the U.S. Like, there well, was. Let, let me ask you a question about about some of this. Do you think that uh, in a way these candidates for you know? certain type of downtrodden or just angry at the world people this is their anger inventing zone right voting for (laughs) voting for this guy because i mean it's not so much about or or these guys because you know we you make a parallel to trump it's not so much about what they say but the fact that they're saying it with no regard for how people feel and sometimes someone who's really angry wants to do that but society says no you got to hold back and he doesn't You know, in the same way that people in an anger venting zone in a sort of joking manner are just like, this is what I think of the world, you know? Do you think that maybe this is a release for some of these people?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of a jokey comparison, but it's one of those things like people, people fucking hate politicians. They loathe politicians. And I don't mean people who hold office. I mean, politicians. Like, career politicians, people who play the game well and do so visibly, and everybody knows it. Nobody People can't fucking stand people like that. And if you get people who appear as outsiders, who are actually talking to them like you talk to human beings day to day, that is a breath of fresh air, and a lot of people are willing to put aside party lines to a certain degree. And you know, like adherence to a particular party if they find someone who's willing to relate to them on that level. Yeah. And Doug Ford's been really good at that. Like, I mean, he's, you know, like uh, he was talking about, what was it? Like a uh, privatizing um, weed sales in Canada. And it's like, that's, that's smart as hell. Like how that, that is literally the only way I can conceive of, of a reactionary shitheel like him successfully appealing to millennials and young people right no other avenue there's no other avenue he could possibly pursue to try to get that vote and he he more or less just jumped on it right away that's really really smart like people yeah pe- people aren't happy with the Ontario monopoly thing and i don't think it's necessarily because it's sales in the style of the lcbo i think a lot of it happened a lot of it is because of the way that's happened um, like ultimately, I don't think most people really give a tremendous shit about if, you know, they can, but where they have to buy their weed. Um, I know a lot of people are like, you know, like, well, I'd rather be able to buy a beer at the corner store or whatever, but like, you know, they're not campaigning for that. Most people are just happy to be able to buy it at a place where, you know, they know the hours and people are nice and friendly and they get a consistent, safe product. That's about it. Right. But Doug Ford has managed to tap into a kind of, yeah, like a kind of populist, discontent with the way that, like, the liberals have just so, so transparently used this opportunity as a way to reward their political donors and their backers in the last campaign. Like, just watching all the old financiers and especially liberal party, you know, senior members be put in positions of authority when it comes to the new uh, legalized uh, cannabis regime is like just everybody looks at it and they're like that, like, that like that just looks shady as fuck. That's not something that anybody is really happy with or is glad with. Even people who support, you know, selling like explicitly as opposed to selling privately wherever, who support this like LCBO style model, like no one, no one is looking at this being used as a platform for political, for, you know, like political rewar- rewards as a good thing. It's something that you grin and bear if that's the position you hold and you do not win elections based on that you just don't you can't like you like and and again like coming back to the election thing like this this was like the big downfall of the american election was that trump gave people something it didn't really matter if it was like disingenuous or shallow he gave them something like that that fucking catchphrase like it's 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 so obnoxious but it's genius in its own way make america great again it's one of those things where just in that one little catchphrase, he acknowledges shit's fucked up, shit's bad for you, like you personally, stuff is not good and I want to improve it. And like that is just, that is so core to inspiring people to just show up and vote for you. Like what did what the, the Democrats respond to that with, America is already great. That has that has never inspired a single fucking person in the history of recorded history. <laughs> no one shows up to, you know, be like, oh, things are good, gonna keep keep them all right. The only people who are turning up for that are like the diehard, diehard dem voters. Not 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 liberal voters or leftist voters, but Democrat voters. And amazingly, no one really turned out to vote for to vote for for, for Clinton. Not in the numbers that they expected, not nearly enough. Everybody everyone was projecting a landslide, and it went the opposite way. And of course, there's lots of other factors affecting this. Like, they campaigned in absolutely the wrong places. They ignored voters that they actually could have won by just even showing that they pretended to give a shit, but instead they chased moderate Republicans from the suburbs who were never going to vote for a Democrat in the first place. But I digress. Um, I think there's a really clear comparison here, and... I mean, when you look at Wynne's liberals who... I mean, I don't like them. I don't like Wynne's liberals as, you know, like basically being shitty, miserable neocons with the socially progressive, you know, facade kind of hastily pasted over. But, I mean, it's fucking better than Doug Ford. And what are they giving voters to to, to work with? Like, kind of jack shit so far. Like, the stuff they've done, you know, like uh, like the the... That the wind government's actually push through, like there are some like legitimately good things. I'm not you know like selling those short. Like um, what is it, farm like the 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 what do you call it the the farm plus thing for people under 25, free meds, fantastic. That's great. Like that's really good. Work um, you know like improving uh, strengthening tenant law stuff like that. That's excellent. But those are mostly issues deliberately worked on specifically because they're high profile, some political calculus has been done that's determined that like, okay, we can get really good return if we focus on these issues. And that is not a substitute for actual progressive policy that helps people, it's not. And people know that. Just trying to be the most progressive, you know, like the the most progressive possible party is not going to actually motivate anybody to go out and vote for you. And it's sure, as shit not going to get anybody to go out and campaign for you. That, like, it's just not happening. And like, I mean, if we like, and, and if and if we look at the, like the UK, there's another really good example of like this kind of going the other way in a good way. You look at um, the uh, recent UK uh, Labour Party uh, elections. Um, this is something people might not be so familiar with. So um, you have old. Um, uh, the right wing of the party, which is very neocon and pushed Labour, which used to be a very left-wing party, to the right, has held power and, you know, had positions of power for a long time. And you have Jeremy Corbyn, who's like an, you know, an old socialist who's been in the party forever and kind of an outcast, managed to actually get something happening. And he managed to become leader of the party. And then in the actual UK general election, um, in which was expected to be a landslide in favor of Theresa May, the... Um, damp, cracker, kind of sodden, unimpressive, uninspiring leader of the, uh, the, the UK Tories. It about to be a landslide in her favor, and instead she barely hung on to her seat. Labour didn't win, but Labour beat everybody's expectations by, like I think it was something like 20-30%. Like that's 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 almost unheard of in in polling. It was considered a, it was the biggest labor gain I think in like I think in almost a century, and it was specifically because Corbyn was pushing aggressively progressive policies. It scared the shit out of the party of uh, uh, the party apparatus, like the Blairite apparatus, you know, that was still remained with him as leader, and it scared the shit out of conservatives and you know other other. Uh, other political parties to the right in the UK, but the stuff he was pushing was stuff that actually related to people. just like even stuff like just renationalize the rail network. you know like like a, a Britain's railways got nationalized and immediately tickets got more expensive, service got shittier, blah 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 blah. And he you know he he, he wasn't talking about you know like if, if this was like the, the Ontario Liberals doing this, it would be something like, well, we're gonna look at the issue and in six months time we are going to form a commission to analyze possible ways to improve rail service in Ontario. And in two and a half years, they would come up with a recommendation that we do more fucking public-private partnerships that just transfer wealth from people to companies, and nothing would really change or get any better. Whereas he was like, no, 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 we're just going to nationalize it. We're we're, going to take it back, and we are going to run it properly again. And people love that because they remember when it was run well. No, like UK voters are not so attached to like neoliberalism and privatization that they're that they actually that they that they want that, even if it makes service worse.
0: So let me ask you a question. Then. If you're using uh, the British and American elections as a sort of roadmap of possibilities, what would you what kind of uh, would can you suggest hmm. for uh, the Canadian election if we want it to go? Quote unquote, our way.
1: Well, isn't that the million dollar question? Um, I don't know. It's an uphill battle. Um, I mean, you know, everybody looks to the NDP as the next biggest, you know, like viable party, but uh, I, uh, I mean, I think I said this maybe even in the last episode, but it's like, I. I've, just watching the way the NDP operates, it's one of those things where you have a really hard time seeing them as doing anything except trying to keep themselves in, in a job effectively as, you know, high-ranking uh, members of the NDP. It's, and and it's weird saying that because they actually came out with a really, really progressive, like on its face, uh, campaign promise this time, which was extending, <clears throat> excuse me, extending Pharmacare to... Pretty much everybody uh, in Ontario, and like that sounds that sounds fantastic. But I think it's telling that after they made this announcement, you haven't really heard anything about it afterwards. Like they made this announcement, and I haven't seen the NDP really come up in headlines since it happened, maybe a week or two ago. And that's because you can you can put those policies out there, you can say these things, but without without a party body that's seriously motivated. To promote your message you are not going to get traction because you need boots on the ground you need people who are actually seeing that you have a presence in their community people need to see that you give a shit about them not like them like on the tv saying i like you voters i like you you know demographic that i want to vote for me i mean people showing up at your at your goddamn door just to be like hi i'm you know you know i'm your local mp here's what i care about that kind of thing And and, and, and and again, I, I hate you know, bringing in these foreign examples that aren't perfect maps onto it. But in the case of um, labor, the really big thing that happened in this election, I mean, aside from Corbyn, was that there was a huge, huge surge in young people voting. That is weird as shit. And it's really hard, apparently, to make happen. Because young people don't vote. They don't fucking vote. Young people do statistically do not vote. They do not turn out in big numbers. And votes are... And, like, results are often determined by turnout. Not general turnout, but specifically people who don't turn out turning out. People who vote conservative, these are, like, statistically, you are looking at the elderly. uh, Rich people, um, uh, those demographics. And they will always turn out to vote for a variety of reasons. A lot of them aren't super motivated, but, like, honestly, in the case of, you know, older folks, retirees and stuff, it's like, well, like, they're not working it's not difficult for them to make it out to polling stations sure. and like you know maybe compared to other people they just statistically they turn out a lot
0: and rich people want to stay rich so. yeah
1: yeah exactly whereas yeah like broke people it's like well you, you you got two fucking jobs you know you're you know you you know you are like you know there are certain allowances in some jobs you know for you know being able to go out to vote but it's like well funny thing everybody's a goddamn contractor now mm-hmm so poor people and, you know, just people with lower income, just people in that position in general, minorities, they are just less, for structural reasons, they're less well-equipped to advocate for themselves. And they do not do so nearly as often as uh, people with more money and older people do. So labor was able to get young people to come out. And a big part of it was because they had a youth, like a youth movement in labor that was started more or less external to like, it had nothing to do with like the old labor party apparatus, who hated it. It was something started by young people and pushed forward by, you know, like university students. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people who were broke, wanted to make their communities better. And they got actual momentum. They canvassed a lot, they went out, they knocked on doors, they met people, talked to people. Like they made it happen. And that's why it happened was because they were able to motivate that that younger, lower income voting group. That's so hard apparently for difficult parties to tap into. So you wanna make it happen? You need to make that happen. You need to find someone who is and like I I fucking hate this phrase because it's it's so loaded, but like 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 someone like a straight talker. Not a politician, someone who is actually frank about things and direct about things and proposes solutions that people immediately recognize as being good for them and, like, not just not just talk, something substantive and real that they can grasp. Like, I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, like, you know, the housing crisis. What did Labour in the UK just propose? They're going to appropriate houses. They're going to take all, you know, like the vacant rich, you know, like, like rich person houses, you know, around... Um, Oh, this is embarrassing. I'm blanking on the name of the, uh, the, the, the the tower block that burned down with, like, God, dozens of, you know, fatalities all mostly, you know, like, poor people and recent immigrants and stuff. Um, yeah, like, his response to, like, uh, like, housing crunches and, like, kind of, like, backstopped by that was, there are all these vacant houses everywhere. So, we're gonna buy them from the owners, or if they're actually vacant and more or less abandoned, we'll appropriate them, and we are going to give homeless people houses. We're not gonna, you know, push charity. We are not going to, you know, like workshop a solution. We know the solution. People don't have houses, you give them houses because the houses are there. We have all the pieces, we just need to put the puzzle together. And that's something that people immediately grasp and like understand as possible. It's a real solution that they can see works when you lay it out that way. And, of course, you'll always have ideologues on the other side who will go like, well, no, that's, that's you know, like, oh, you, you can't do that. That's uh, you know, property rights. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, and your response can be mealy-mouthed and, but like, well, I respect property rights and, you know, all that. Capitalism's a good force for the world. Or, you can respond and say, I value the rights of people to have a roof over their heads, quality of life, dignified circumstances, over your right to have eight investment properties. You say that and people respond. So if we can get someone who visibly relates to common working people in Ontario and does it in a way that isn't falling into the steps of the existing political parties, I think you could actually have people pick up on this. And it's like, it's something you've seen potential for, like it's happened in other places, there's no reason it can't happen here. Canada and Ontario has, Ontario in particular, just in general kind of does have just, yeah, like kind of a really, really thoroughly uninspiring political scene, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can be different, a better future is possible, I believe that with all my heart or else I wouldn't be a pinko.
0: So, if you are inspired, get involved so you can inspire others to get involved and vice versa. It's got to be a uh, a snowball sort of situation. It's hard for me to believe that you might have something else that you're upset about this week. But is there anything else on the, uh, on the agenda, <laughs> on the anger inventing zone no, agenda?
1: Oh, God, yeah. How deep did I go into that one? Okay, um, so we do in fact have another question this week. Laura Palin asks, "How could humans who are so rude to retail employees possibly also have the people skills to be themselves employable? Why? How? Who?" Oh, and uh, yeah, I, I couldn't do this episode without like just a really deep and like depressing sigh before every single question. So you'll 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 have to excuse me. But this is another one where there's 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 no easy answer, but. There is a reason, and you're going to be shocked and appalled to learn that I'm. this is one thing that I'm, once again, tying back into the way we structure our economy. Um, I mean, the principle of the customer is always right is something we've all heard, but I mean, for a lot of people, it becomes an ideology in itself where instead of that just being a principle to make people happy, it becomes something that you feel is a law of society. And when people... Oh God, like, we, I, mean, I mean, we've all seen people like this. Like, just someone, you know, tearing a strip out of the fucking hide of just some poor fucking, you know, schmuck working at Tim Horton's, like... Ugh! Like God, it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's fucking miserable. But people feel they have this this entitlement because of the way that, from birth, people are taught to frame things like business and customers and the relationships that exist between people inherent in in, in commercial in commercial transactions. There's no inherent reason why the customer has to be right. In fact, the customer is usually a stupid asshole who doesn't know shit about anything. But it's a policy that keeps customers who have money, even if they're unpleasant, so it's a principle that gets applied over and over again. This isn't something that has to be. It's a way we've taught people to act. And when people are, you know, like fundamentally decent to service employees and, you know, retail workers, take your pick, it's because they've somehow managed to I mean somehow, most people manage it pretty decently, they've managed to like look around this. They've managed to navigate this way that people have been socialized to act and be like, no, you know what, I'm actually gonna be decent to this person today because like they have feelings too. And it's when you kind of like draw back a bit, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of fucking shocking that this is something we never really analyze. And I, like when I call it ideology, the reason why, and like, this is like one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of ideology specifically is I'm kind of mangling the quote here. It's something that people do without realizing they're doing it. There's lots and lots of things people do, they, you know, they agonize over it afterwards or their thing, but no, no, ideology is the things that you, the beliefs you hold and the actions you do day in, day out that you never in a million years would think on your own to question or analyze. And yeah, it's surprisingly easy to just grow up and assume that, like, as the person on the other side of the register who has the money, you're entitled to, whatever, this sh- to whatever, whatever you happen to need because, no, 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 no. You're making the transaction. It's your money. You have leverage here. And it turns people into beasts. It makes people treat other people as levers in a transaction with that person's feelings, that person's dignity, uh, very much secondary to you getting, you know extra whipped cream on your, you know, latte or whatever.
0: Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling sort of situation where, um, you know, being, once upon a time, being a retail worker and being treated like shit, you, know, you get into a position where you are now the, the one with the money and you're like, hmm. okay, well, it's my turn now.
1: You know what? I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, what I've seen overwhelmingly is the nice, like, if you go into a restaurant or something like, and and, and I've heard this from like, I haven't worked in bars yet, but I've heard this from like people in the industry is like the nicest, most considerate customers who just know when to, you know, like cut you slack at the right times Mm -hmm. are people who've worked in the industry because they know how it is. Right. It's people who've been insulated from like how shitty those kinds of jobs are and how little latitude to actually fix things or change things as an employee you have. It's those people It's the kind of person who you know, like, looks at looks at jobs that are like socially, socially frowned frowned upon. It's not the right word, but you know, that have low social cachet, and they think, oh, anybody could do this. You know, this is so easy. You know, uh, why do they? You know, why why do they get paid that much for this? And it's like, if if they have such a sweet ride, why don't you fucking do it? Right. And you see you see that happen every and, and you see that happen every single time. You get this dovetail of class and social standing. And expectations regarding money, not even in terms of like just transactions. Like if you look at, um, I mean, like like we hear this over and over from you know people who are like you know complaining about you know quote unquote welfare bums, you know people riding you know high on you know the public horse, eating that government cheese, you know taking the easy life. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's amazing how many millions of times you know these fucking gormless miserable old great uncles you know with like weird rashes and strange hobbies you don't want to think about go on the cbc fucking message boards and complain about you know all these leeches taking my tax dollars you know spending it on nonsense and it's like how many millions of people have have complained about this and how many of those people have ever actually been like i'm gonna quit my job i'm gonna go on welfare it's gonna be great in right the, we, we weirdly enough that has never happened in the history of mankind not actually so it's one of those yeah, it, that is very much a position that's generally held by either people who've never been in those positions never actually had to do those kinds of shitty jobs and be in that shitty position so they they have no empathy because they've never bothered trying to empathize with something they've never done or been in or alternately there are people who were just tremendous assholes from the beginning and you know as soon as they can step into you know those asshole sized shoes they do and they start walking the walk I mean, you know there's always going to be people who are fucking shit heels you can't get away from that but yeah yeah i think it's one of those things where it's like once you actually walk a mile in someone's shoes you are like shockingly a lot more likely to just be like fundamentally decent to them as people so yeah I, and 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 i mean yeah, it's 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 half just like the way we the way we do commerce and transactions, and half the way we weight professions and income so heavily in terms of social standing. You can treat someone who's broke like shit if you have money. That's just an assumed thing people work with, and you see it happen over and over. It's just kind of it's just kind of uncouth, kind of tawdry to come out and actually say it. But you see it every day in a million different ways. So, people who are perfectly employable and otherwise seem like functioning people, why do they treat retail employees so shitty? In a couple words, it's because we live in hell world and everything's dysfunctional and broken. And uh, we have a very unhealthy social society that has strange priorities that grind people down to a meal. That's, You're i mean, so I mean that, oddly I mean, positive today. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I just try to put the best, the best face on everything. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um.
0: Fair. I think that's a. I think that's an accurate answer. Unfortunately, I think that's an accurate answer. <laughs> All right. What else we got on tap?
1: Uh, take a look. See. Hmm. Morgan Cope asks, why does my cat demand a belly rub right after she pees in the kitty litter? Um, as a cat owner, former cat owner, um, I can speak to this one quite authoritatively, and it's because cats are just huge assholes. Cats are dicks. Cats are dicks. They don't care about anything but themselves. And I mean, there are. I've, I had a cat who was a sweetheart and who's like actually... You know, like not in the cat pattern, but that was very unusual, cats are, that's just how they work. They're very self-centered creatures, Um, they'll drop a huge deuce right in front of you and gross you out, and then they'll be like, where's the food? Because their motivations are very simple and straightforward. Um, In that way, I like them, they're very understandable, like you know where they're at, because you just assume the most cynical possible reading of cat behavior, and the odds are pretty good that it'll be spot on.
0: So they're like retail shoppers.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. more or less. Same kind of motivations. You know, they, they are both extremely self-centered. They both work solely um, in their own self-interest. Um, they both take shits in piles of sand or dirt. Uh, they both groom themselves in the middle of the room with no sense of propriety or modesty. Yeah, yeah, it, they actually map on pretty well to each other. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, this one's fairly straightforward. Cats are just assholes. Their motives are fairly straightforward. I mean, the joy of cat ownership is very different from the joy of dog ownership. Um, I've also, you know, been in a household with a dog. And with dogs, it's like, no, no, no. They give you that unconditional, bountiful love. They are really, you know, man's best friend isn't really, you know, like a, like a, like a, it's, it's real. Like, no, 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 they're, you, you anyway, are definitely their best friend. They love the shit out of you. Cats, they know where the meal ticket is. They like a good scratch. Cats like cuddling. They do. They do. I'm not saying, you know, they don't have that side of them too. But I mean, with cats, it's like, they're mercenary. You know what a cat's about. You know, a cat wants to get fucking paid. And in that sense... I feel cats are a lot more sympathetic in terms of how we look at ourselves. Like, yeah, no, no, we, you know, we we like to cuddle, you know, we like scritches under the chin, all that. But end of the fucking day, we got to get paid. We got to, you know, we got to get our meal ticket. We need that shit, you know? So where's the food, you know, where's the warm spot? You know, where, where's the sun on the rug? You know, it's they're very straightforward, very materially motivated. And in that sense, um, yeah. So, 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 in so an answer to your question, why does my cat demand a belly rub right after she peed in the kitty litter? It's because they're like us. They learned it from us.
0: It's your fault.
1: Not necessarily your fault. I think it's all, all right, of our right. faults. Yeah. It's all of our faults.
0: You, the general you. <laughs> I don't want myself in with the rest of you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Going, you know, like going, going back, like five thousand years, the beginning of cat domestication as like the guardians of grain silos in ancient Egypt or whatever the hell. Um, we set up a mercenary relationship with them. We employed cats. We didn't make them parts of our families. We turned cats into capitalists, and they deal with us on that basis to this day. If we don't have food for them, then they are going to go find another house. I've seen that happen too. Cats wander around from house to, you know, they're not really strays, but they have like five different families and they just wander around and see where the good grub is at. And that's their favorite family. And it's like, well, shit, you know what? I mean, that's my deal too. I got to get paid, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't do what I, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't do what I love, like in the most Pareto optimal sense. There's other stuff I might want to be doing, but it's like, you know what? I got to pay rent, got to put food on the table. So I am going to go to the house with the best food and that's going to be my favorite family. That's a depressing way to look at the world, but at least cats know what the struggle's like.
0: And it is real.
1: <laughs> is it ever good Lord?
0: I know that you guys have a lot of gripes, and if you hmm. do, you can send them in to askboris at buns.com.
1: Yes, yes, please do. Um. Yeah.
0: But in the meantime. I think that's the end of uh our anger inventing. But If any of you out there have anything to vent or are angry at all, send emails in to askboris at buns.com.
1: Yes, yes. I may be an extremely cranky person, but I promise you I love your questions. No matter what the nature send them in, send them in, send them in. No question is unworthy of an earnest answer. I will consider everything and everything. Send them to askborisatbonds.com. You can DM me on Facebook and at my account, Boris Pavlovich, or you can just ask in a thread if I'm making one. They come up here and there in different zones. Check it out.
0: All so, right. Thanks, guys.
1: It's good talking to you. See you guys around.